Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining me tonight on episode 24, season one of The Standoff with Brad here on New Zealand Sport Radio, back in our regular time slot on a Wednesday for our season finale. Now, while I'm here live at 8 p.m., you can also catch our show via podcast on iHeartRadio at your convenience. Just search for New Zealand Sport Radio. As it's our season finale, we're doing things a little bit differently tonight. Firstly, we're fortunate to have CEO of the Warriors, Cameron George, join me tonight to discuss the Warriors 2020 season and how the preparations for 2021 are going. And then we're also going to do uh, the standoff awards, which um, should be a good little bit. And um, depending on how we go time-wise, I'll look into State of Origin, um, which is tonight, obviously, State of Origin Game 2, and maybe onto the, the Super League as well. So um should be an interesting show. Uh, just waiting for Cameron to join us. So um, while I'm waiting for him, I may as well go and do a quick rundown of the Super League games that happened. Um, so obviously uh, they reduced the Super League season down, um, as I mentioned last week. So we only had two games last week. Um, they were Wakefield Trinity losing to Salford Red Devils 28-20. to and the Wigan Warriors defeating the Huddersfield Giants 19-6. to This meant that Wigan Warriors ended up on the top of the ladder and uh, themselves and St. Helen get the week off for the playoffs. And um, so the playoffs are starting this week. First on the 12th of November, we've got the Warrington Wolves versus Hull FC. On the 13th of November, we've got the Catalan Dragons versus the Leeds Rhinos. On the 19th of November... We're going to go into the second stage of playoffs where the Wigan Warriors will play one of the, I think it's either Warrington or Hull. And then St. Helens on the 20th of November will play um, either the Dragons or the Rhinos. I might have that round the wrong way. I apologize if I have. Uh, But then that will lead us to the 27th of November, which will be the grand final. Um, Hopefully for me, the Wigan uh, Warriors make it there and go all the way as as a Wigan fan. So, um, yeah, should be um, a good couple of weeks for the Super League. Um, even though it's our season finale, I'm thinking of after the grand final, 
um, kind of doing a, a special bonus show where um, we wrap up State of Origin, any news that's happened in that time um, since tonight, and also wrap up the grand final. So um, watch the space for that game there. And hold on. So yeah, okay. So we're still waiting on Cameron. So I'll, I may as well jump straight into um, State of Origins. State of Origins tonight. Yep, we've got so we've got Cameron uh, has uh, is is just joining us. So I'll just uh, um, bring him on, and uh, you can uh, welcome him to the show. Awesome. Thank you very much. Good evening, Cameron. Thank you for joining me tonight. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thanks, Brad. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, may as well get the start. I know I've only got you for a limited time, so um, I know you've been asked this question a lot already, but uh, COVID kind of changed the landscape of the NRL this year. What difficulties did you face in keeping the Warriors in the competition? Uh, look, I think um, keeping us in the competition wasn't the question because the desire was there from all the players and staff and so on. However, it was just the challenges of the unknown, um, yeah. when, where and how. Uh, that, that that was the biggest question that uh, I think we were asked a lot, um, and it was something that we couldn't really answer a lot of the time. So, um, you know, to get some certainty when we took off to go to Tamworth in that initial stages in May, and and then to stay on. Um, but there was a point in time of the season where you know it just became a given that we're there for the whole year. So, I think that provided the final certainty that we needed, and um, the boys responded and got on with the job. Exactly. Um, what was it like for the staff that had to stay in New Zealand? Uh, it was it was really um, challenging because you wanted to be a, a part of it and you wanted to be there to support the guys and so on. However, obviously we couldn't go, but um, you know, and then we didn't have much here in terms of game days naturally, so it was quite difficult to do everything from afar. There's a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of phone calls naturally, uh, emailing and so on, but. Uh, the important thing we could do here is just provide whatever support we could from afar and look after our fans and engage as much as we can through the digital platforms. Yeah, right. So um, after a middly poor start to the season, the Warriors really started to find their groove around round 10 onwards. Uh, what are your thoughts on how the team responded to the adversities they faced? Yeah, they, they responded really strongly. Um, you know, the, there's no blueprint, no manual, no help uh, you can get for what uh, a lot of us had to face this year, you know, you included everyone. Um, so you just had to go on gut instinct and you had to rely on the type of people you had in your organisation. And for us, it was our footy team and um, they responded really well. And, you know, that, that that's not an overnight thing. That's, that's signing good people and having good culture and having good leaders. And we had that filtered throughout the playing group and, and the staff that are in Australia and, um, you know, they're ably supported by great sponsors and fans. So uh, everyone fed off each other, I think, during these circumstances. And I think the support that was shown to the players really uh, helped the guys respond uh, in the manner in which they did. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think for me, I think the young players really stood out um, stepping up in such trying times. But were there any players or staff that stood out for you? Oh, look, everyone. Uh, there were everyone had a different role to play. Uh, you know, the guys who got very limited time. Uh, the reality that um, 
for them was they were in Australia to train the squad as best they could. So whilst they weren't playing, their role in getting the guys to play good footy was very important because if you don't have players training exceptionally well against the squad at training during the course of the week, they can't get their job um, in the best shape they can and, and therefore the performance lacks. But So whether they were playing week in, week out didn't really matter. The fact was they were training day in, day out and really keeping the standards up, um, which was really good. There was a lot of young kids that obviously um, you know, stood up this year against the adversity, Eli Katoa, the likes, and Jermaine Tanua-Brown. You know, how can you forget him? These, you know, 20-odd games, one game suspended, otherwise he would have played the whole season. And it's just a credit to him, his work ethic. And, you know, there's other people like Chanel got the opportunity and stood tall. And I'm just really proud of the whole lot. And then from the staff perspective, every single one of them were great. Um, you know, they're 24-7 in the background and, um, we rely on them heavily and, and, you know, they're the unsung heroes for me because they were over there without their families and so on. Yeah, definitely. So um, on one of my previous shows, I mentioned um, the 100K membership goal that you had announced um, with 50% of the revenue going towards Junior Rugby League on both sides of the Tasman. How's that goal tracking? Yeah, look, it's it's we're a long way off, but we're still tracking, you know. Uh, we're still out there. We're still chasing. There's still a lot of interest. And, um, you know, when we launched it, um, you know, we got a lot of people interested and they're talking about it and getting on board. So it's still a long way to go. We've got a bit of time yeah. uh, up our sleeve and we're looking forward to uh, continuing that as we, you know, we head into the new season. Yeah, fingers crossed you get the goal. Um, yes. So uh, looking ahead to the 2021 season, Peter Volandis obviously came out this week and said the NRL is going back to, to normal. Um, looking at the current climate, that's not really the case for uh, the Warriors. Um, so are you still looking at preparing for being in Australia for the majority of the season? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I'm ambitious like Peter. Hopefully everything is normal, but what's normal for the 15 Australian-based clubs isn't necessarily normal for the New Zealand Warriors. So, um, you know, unless the borders open up, uh, we, we're certainly not going to be in the same position as everyone else. So on that basis, uh, we've got to prepare um, as if the borders are shut. Uh, and if they do open up, it's an advantage to us in the club and, and obviously our fans here in New Zealand. So um, preparing for the worst and, and being away for as, as long as we have to, but that said, uh, we're hoping for the best, and um, you just never know what's around the corner. Obviously, yeah, I think that year, this year's really shown us that, and um, I've got my fingers crossed too because I really miss going to live games. So um, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. Um, but if the Warriors are in Australia all year, how are you going to engage your New Zealand members? Look, you know, now that um, I suppose the key difference as it stands now is that the restrictions aren't there in terms of crowd numbers. Um, so obviously throughout, you know, 2020 um, there were restrictions where you couldn't have more than 10 people. And at one stage you got to a hundred and so on and so on. Um, you know, I'd love to have, you know, game days at Mount Smart on the big screen. Um, but the reality is in 2020, when we explored that, there were still those restrictions in place, which obviously don't yeah. happen, aren't in place now. So moving forward, uh, we've got some good plans to engage with our fans based here and members based here. And um, 
hopefully the restrictions remain as they are now and we can really explore those and, and if we're not playing here in New Zealand, at least, at least get people on Mount Smart Stadium and watch it on the big screen and who knows, we'd have New Zealand's biggest picnic on Mount Smart Stadium, watch it on the big screen. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, so new coach, Nathan Brown, um, I know he's currently in isolation in Auckland, is that correct? That is correct. He's got. Uh, yeah. He's out this weekend. Oh, awesome. So how's this start with the club being checking? Yeah, good. Uh, Brownie brings a lot to our club. Um, he's certainly a very knowledgeable rugby league uh, mind. He, um, he's he got extensive experience, uh, not only in Australia, but also the UK, both as a coach um, and in Australia as a player as well. So um, he's got um, a lot of chapters, chapters to his book that'll help us as a club. Um, what I do like about Nathan is his energy around coaching individuals. Um, he's very big on recruiting a squad and making them a better playing squad. And I think he'll benefit a lot of our players um, and the recruitment that we've you know, been able to undertake in the last three months um, has really built a, a nice little squad at this point in time. And um, I know he's looking very much forward to improving those players no end. Awesome, yeah. So there has been a lot of player movement and preparation for the upcoming season, including today's announcement of Marcelo Montoya on a two-year deal, um, as well as also the the big signing of Adam Fanua Blake. Which new signing do you think is um, going to have the biggest impact on the club, either on the field or off it? Uh, look, I think I think there's people like um, you know Adam. No doubt is going to bring a real strike to our squad that. You know, we've all been crying out for. But equally, uh, a lot of people have forgotten about the signing of Ben murdoch Masilla. Um, you know, we signed him because we wanted that, you know, big impact uh, on the edge and uh, big body, aggressive, and just a tremendous, um, you know, has, has a tremendous work ethic. And he's improved on that over the last, you know, three or four years in the UK. So... I don't forget about Ben, you know, I think a lot of people have um, probably forgot about signing Ben, uh, but for me, he was probably instrumental in starting to change, um, you know, people's theory about coming here. And and I know Adam and Ben are very close through their uh, relationship with the Tongan team and so forth, and um, together, I think they will be really lethal. And then you look at our other... Um, young Tongan player in Eli Katoa. Um, so the formation with those guys and Torhu Harris and, you know, let's not forget Kane Evans. They're all different bodies and they're different shapes and they bring a different aggression to our team, which is something that um, I'm really looking forward to seeing. And then, you know, you, you start to look out the back line and, and the strike of Ewan Aiken um, is going to add, you know, that speed, that dynamic um, element to the to the centres. and you know, the, the, then the backup and the body shape of um, Marcelo with, you know, he's over six foot tall, he's electric in his speed and he's a different body shape, probably like, like a David Fusatua, but probably a little bit taller and, and leaner. Um, you know, we've got power, we've got strike and we've got speed across the park now and I think it's quite balanced. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, a guy like Torhu Harris is probably the complete package for the team. You take Torhu out, changes the whole dynamic. So it's been a, a puzzle piece by piece that Sully and Brownie have started to put together, um, and you never know, it might be over. 
Yeah, that's great to hear. It's um, it does look like a great squad. Um, it's it's definitely um, in the fans' eyes, kind of increased um their excitement. Um, I know starting of this year it was a bit doom and gloom, and um, yeah, it's just the difference a year makes, I guess, with um everything that's gone on. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, you can't change a salary cap um overnight. It does take time for when you you know you start to move players or players finish up and you move them on. Each player that we're signing has got a different attribute that complements the squad. We're not just yeah. signing a front rower that comes on the market. We're signing the front rower that we need in the middle. Um, and you know we're taking a lot of notice of the body shape and the leg speed as well, given the recent changes in um, you know in, in the rules and so on. So. You know, if if you can picture, you know, an opposing team kicking off the ball um, in 2020 to our team, the probably the simple example I give is that Roger, as we all know, has probably taken the second or third hit up off the kick off the kickoff. Yeah. And if you have a look at our squad going forward, if we've got a fit squad. You know, you've got Ken coming off the back fence, Adam Fanua Blake coming off the back fence, and you've got, um, you know, Fuss coming in for a run. You've got big Ben Murdoch, Masilla on the edge, along with Eli Katawa. You've got, um, you know, Lisa Narmau, Kane Evans. Rog, particularly, is not required in that red zone getting out of our hard yardage, where this year he has been because he's been yeah. a power play. But you imagine what that's going to do to Rogers' game by reserving his energy and allowing him just to sit back, let the big bodies and speed go bang, 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 um, you know, and he's getting involved over in the attacking zone. Like, that's the sort of, you know, strategy we've tried to implement by going out and searching for these players that we've been able to sign. Yeah, I think that's going to help a lot. Um, it will especially help the um, Chanel and Cody. I think they'll get a lot more time behind those big bodies and really let that um, relationship between them flourish. Yeah, without a doubt. And and what it does, it brings your jazz to buggers back into the game on the back of quick play the balls off the big bodies and and Wade Egan's and Carl Lawton's and you know, if everyone's fit, you, our squad one to seventeen is gonna be a challenge to get in, um, providing they're all having a crack and they're working hard to be in the seventeen. And that's one thing I know Brownie's very hot on will be the accountability of those efforts. Yeah, definitely. You really want that internal fighting for spots. Um, I think that makes um, the difference between a top eight side and a bottom eight side, in my opinion. That's right. Um, you need competition and you need good people competing hard. And, you know, their work ethic's got to be through the roof Monday to Friday, not just on Sunday afternoon. Um, yeah. They've got to lead during the week. They've got to challenge each other during the week. Their training's got to improve by 20% that's naturally going to on flow to a better performance on the ground. And one thing we've done by interviewing these players that we've signed, we've really questioned their work ethic and really questioned, um, you know, what they want to bring to the group um, away from footy as well. And, you know, from you and Aiken to Adam Fanua Blake to Marcelo, you know, they're very determined young men to come here and do a job for our fans. And that's only going to make our squad better. And, um, I'm, looking forward to it uh we'll hopefully we just get some good luck and um not have the the amount of injuries we've had and everyone's fit on the park and going hard as as, as much as we can fingers crossed um before we let you go i know your time's short i've got a question from from the 
the viewers. So I've got one from Jordan Clark. He's asked, um, how did the NRL support the club financially this year because of COVID? I was very uh, helpful um, in COVID. Um, naturally, across the clubs, there's a funding model that applies. However, with our travels overseas, um, though, you know, they they assisted financially with the club no end, um, we, which we really appreciate because we're here one day, basically going the next. And, um, you know, we were up against it. Um, you know, unlike other clubs, you know, we weren't at home, so our, our sponsors didn't really get to, you know, feel a part of the, the team this year. Um, and our players couldn't do much with them, obviously, in person. So digitally, you know, on a Zoom platform, we could, but... With that in mind, that the NRL really understood our position and, and sort of helped us out. But uh, it's been a tough year, as I said, for everyone, not just necessarily ourselves. But we've been able to bat through it. Um, it's a memory now, and now we're we're trying to plan for next year. And we just want to go and do our, you know, our fans really proud next year. That's great. Um, my last question before I let you go. Um, we haven't touched on it yet, but the uh, the Warriors women's side had a tough campaign. Um, but showed plenty of spirit this year. Um, with the NRLW competition, it was I thought it was quite fantastic football week in, week out. Do you think the NRL should look at expanding it and getting more sides involved? Yeah, it's a difficult one, Brad, because um, just start with our squad, you know, we only sent over five players, and that wasn't by choice. It was just due yeah. to the circumstances of everyone had to leave home for X weeks. Um, without coming back and people have commitments. But, um, you know, the NRL have had this competition going for two or three years, um, three years now, and they haven't expanded it because I don't know whether the base level of player talent and numbers are there at this stage to, to be at that level. Uh, there's certainly, you know, 60, 70, 80 um, women out there that are playing high-level footy, which is great, but... You know, the next couple of years, they're going to have to expand or something. I'm not sure um, because they just can't stay four teams in the same four teams for the next four years because the, um, you know, the competition's got to grow in order for it to get commercially viable. Um, so they've yeah. got to really invest in the women's game, both in New Zealand and Australia. And I know in, New Ze in Australia, they're putting a lot of money into it. So um, hopefully, hopefully that helps and we improve it, but, you know, our girls certainly went over there and had a crack and really appreciate all the other girls that jumped in on our, our, our club and, and you know, wore our colours with pride and tried to do their best, but it was just too short of a campaign to get to get them to gel, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, I know you've got another another um, appointment You're now, right, so mate. I'll let you, let you go, but... Um... Thank you for your time once again, and hopefully I can get you on again after a successful 2021. No, no, thank you, mate, and thanks for all your support um, and, your, and your listeners and so on, and we just hope and pray for our club. Uh, we get everything planned, ready to go, and I uh, want to make you guys extremely proud, and I know the players that we're signed, the players that we have, um, will start to work hard from next Monday onwards to achieve something special for us. Awesome. Well, thank you for that, and um, good yes, luck mate. in your next interview. Oh, thanks, buddy. Bye. Yes. Bye. All right, so that was Cameron George. Great to have him on the show. Um, yeah, and hopefully we'll get him in again next year. I'll look at hopefully trying to get some other people involved from time to time as well, um, see see how well my my politeness goes in getting people on. Oh, I, th I think we should be uh, 
shouldn't be waiting till the end of next season. A, a couple of questions that were springing to my mind. He talked there um, about how good the new coach is about developing players. Um, so that quits. So I guess that, that leads to the question then is, is this a multi-year plan um, with, with the new coach to, to, um, to, to sort of challenge for the title? Um, and uh, kind of wh- how long is that multi-year plan for? How, I guess how quickly can we expect them to be challenging? I, I think those sort of things would be kind of interesting to hear from him. Um, when, he, when he talks about the fact about developing players, yeah, look at that. You, you experienced interviewer, you. <laughs> um, also, I, I guess the, the, the other one that I've, I've heard a lot of people is kind of things like just how has how does he see COVID changing the NRL ongoing? Now, obviously, it's changed it very much in the short term, but what what have they what have been the big lessons they've learned out of COVID about to they'll change it going forward? So, uh, there's there's lots where I think we could. Uh, we could chat with him about if we can get him back again. Uh, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah that's some really interesting bits there. Though. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I've already covered Origin. I've covered the UK. Um, so we may as well just jump into my standoff awards. Um, so I put together a, a few different awards. Um, off the top of my mind, a couple of serious ones, a couple of funny ones as well. Um, so we'll start with the first award, which was my biggest surprise of the year. And um, I've given that to the Brisbane Broncos getting the wooden spoon. Um, coming into uh, first COVID break, um, the Broncos were were two and zero and looked unstoppable. And then something happened in that um, COVID break where the team just fell apart. And um, not really sure what happened. And there was a lot of times where it looked like they weren't going to get the wooden spoon. They were going to survive just. But um, rightfully so, I think they, you, you never really want to say a team deserves the wooden spoon, but I think in terms of the whole 16 teams on a whole, I think they were the worst in terms of performance week in, week out. So, um, yeah, the wooden spoon had to go to them, but it was a hell of a shock. I think if anyone came into 2020 and said that Brisbane were going to be dead last, um, you would have laughed at them. So yeah, that's my my biggest surprise of the year. So Next is, award is your biggest moment of the year going to be uh, the fans throwing the wooden spoons on the pitch on the training pitch? <laughs> I didn't put a biggest moment on there, but that should have been on there. Um, that was quite an amusing reaction to um, coming dead last, and um, I don't know if we'll see that type of behaviour again. Um, you normally see from those passionate fans if they're that unhappy, um, throwing their jerseys away or even burning them, um, which I think is a bit silly. I, it's a lot of money to buy a jersey. I wouldn't want to just burn it. Um, but yeah, throwing, throwing spoons on the field is funny. Yeah, I think this could this could be a become an annual tradition uh, of, of throwing uh, throwing spoons on the pitch of the training pitch yeah. for the for the team, whichever team it might be. It could well be. All right. So the next award I've got is Rookie of the Year. And um, I've actually given that to Harry Grant. Um, I know he he got the the Daly M Rookie of the Year. I know he, he played a handful of games last year, but it wasn't really enough to count. I, I think you have to play um, at least five to um, not be classed as a rookie the following year. And um, he had a lot of um, pressure on him. He he moved from the Storm to the Tigers on a loan deal, and. Um, he kind of just went in there and looked like he'd been doing it forever. He, um, up until he got injured, he was in the running for Dally M. 
um, player of the year and really he's basically turned himself into the number one choice at the storm if Cameron Smith is retired or not um, for next year. Brandon Smith is a great player, but Harry Grant seems to have got ahead of him there. I think that might be more to Brandon Smith's ability to play in other positions if they need him to. So Brandon Smith would still be involved in that game day 17, but I think Grant's probably got the nod to be the number nine. That goes into oh we go. Does, does, does Cameron Smith retirement go down as the uh, the longest story of the year? It, it, it's coming story. up. It, it, it might be coming up later on. Um, I won't I won't <laughs> give away any spoilers. Um, my next award is the biggest blunder. Um, kind of a confusing name for the title, but it was kind of my pick for the biggest error from a player. And I've given that to Jamal Fogarty being chased down by Josh Papali. This this moment that I've put in the picture here is actually what gave Josh Papali tackle the year at the um, the NRL Awards night. And um, but I'm putting it more on Jamal Fogarty. He he kind of had a bit of a breakaway, and he shouldn't be run down by a prop. Um, Millie Papali had a bit of a head start on him to catch him up. But yeah, I think that was the biggest blunder. Um, unfortunate for Fogarty, but as a, as a prop, um, or a former prop, I should say, it was happy to see Papali run him down. It's probably something that his teammates at the Titans aren't going to let him forget anytime soon. And um, my next award's a little bit of a fun one. I've got the, the Best Facial Hair Award. I've given that to Regal Campbell-Gillard. Um, I don't know why he, he likes to grow this moustache, but um, especially during COVID, it just got better and better. And um, I had a bit of beard envy. Um, I can't grow a moustache as well as he can. And, um, yeah, it's just a nice little um, funny thing to kind of to pick out. So, um, yeah, best facial hair goes to Regal Campbell-Gillard. Do the, do the NRL guys get involved in November? So I've noticed that uh, uh, the Bay of Plenty rugby union guys have all started doing it again. Uh, is that something that, that, that's ever taken off in, in NRL? I'm not too sure because generally um, November is the time where you have your, your little break from the NRL, so you don't see them as much. So I'm assuming some of them do, but they're kind of November's kind of their their holiday time, so you don't okay. see them as much. So it's not they've not, it's not doing it the, the the team thing like we're seeing with some of the other some of the rugby union teams. No. That's right. Yeah, nothing that I can see. Uh, so the next award goes to worst haircut in the NRL. Um, I've given this to Jai Arrow. Got a beautiful picture of it there. Um, don't know what he was thinking. Um, I know eventually it became um, a charity thing where he was growing it out and he was going to shave his head for cancer, I believe. I believe it was cancer. Um, but it didn't start that way. He, he chose this um, for some reason. Um I think he was just enjoying being able to do something like this before he goes to the Rabbitohs next year because I don't see Wayne Bennett um, putting up with, with haircuts like that. He seems like the kind of old-fashioned ref there are um, coach that might say, yeah, let's just um, short back and sides that if you want to be in my team type of deal. But, um, yeah, hopefully we don't see that type of mullet on Jairo in any time soon. Back to some more serious awards, though. I've got my signing of the year. 
I've given that to Api Carousel from the Penrith Panthers. Um, it was a bit of a under-the-radar signing when it was announced earlier on, but I think um, Api's inclusion in the Panthers as well as the new rules, which kind of really favoured your quick mobile hookers. He really came in there at the right time and basically helped them become the powerhouse team they were this year. Millie, they didn't go all the way, but um, I think he really added a bit of um, a bit of a dynamic twist on their attack and really helped them be a lot more potent. So um, signing of the year, he's a, a player I would have loved the Warriors to have made able to pick up. Um, but we, we got Wade Egan, um, who they got rid of to get Coruscant at the Panthers. So um, on to bigger and better things for Coruscant in 2021 when Penrith tried to go for that premiership. Um, my next award is Biggest Hiss of the Year. I've changed it from Biggest Tackle because some people argue that it might not be a tackle, but I've given it to Sh Sh Chanel Harris-Tavita. Um was kind of um, my favourite hit of the year. He kind of threw his whole body in against um, Liam Martin there and um, basically spun himself horizontal um, when he did the hit. But it really encapsulated um, the size of the ticker this little halfback's got. And um, hopefully he tones that stuff down a bit because the last thing I want to see as a Warriors fan is him lining up a big hit against a big forward and getting injured. But um, it's good to see there's no fear in him, and um, it kind of puts a little second thought in big forwards' minds when they ideally your big forwards want to run at the little halfbacks and get some easy meters. So if it's in the back of their mind that Chanel can um, give you a bit of a wallop, um, they might not target him as much, which will probably help the Warriors out too. So um, yeah, well done, Chanel, and hopefully we see some more in the highlight reel. I'm going to continue the Chanel love for the next award, which is my try of the year. Um, so, yeah, Chanel gets my try of the year. This was against um, the Parramatta Eels. It was very similar to the try the Warriors got in 2019 that got them try of the year against the Raiders, where it went through basically everybody's hands. So um, it was typical Warriors ball, as they like to say, where um, the ball went all over the place. I think Chanel even touched it two or three times in this one play and um, then got to finish it off. So another stand um, standout for Chanel, as Cameron mentioned earlier, he was one of those young players that had the opportunity to stand up and um, be represented. And I think it's um, only, only going to get bigger and better for Chanel. So um, fingers crossed we see a lot more from him in 2021. Next award's a little bit of an offside one as well. It's my personality of the year. And um, I've given that to Brandon Smith um, from the Melbourne Storm. Um, he's he's well known as being a bit of a cheeky character. So um, we saw videos throughout the, the year of, um, I think there was a popular one um, just before playoffs of him stealing a lollipop from a kid. Um, kid was actually a relation to Craig Bellamy. So... It was a kid he knew, thankfully. Um, and then the grand final, um, there was a bit of a thing following Brandon Smith after the grand final win and um, what he was up to because he was celebrating um, quite quite hard and um, some some great videos that you got to see of him just having a time. And it's good to see um, a bit of personality 
popping out. I know um, Melbourne is kind of renowned for being that like straight up the middle, do everything by the book team, um, being consistent all the time. But it's good to see Bellamy kind of allows these younger kids that have got all this potential to still have their personality, don't try to break it down, let them express themselves um, as long as they perform on the pitch. So, um, yeah, great to see some of these guys um, show a bit of, a bit of life, um, both on the field and off it. Uh, next award goes to most improved team. I've actually given this to the Gold Coast Titans. Um, if you've been watching the show since day dot, you'll know that um, I've had a love-hate relationship with the Titans. Um, every time I went against them and the and the picks and Sanjay went for them, they did me wrong and got the win. But a constant theme basically on every show this year is how good this team has started to build and how much better they're going to be next year with the likes of David Fafita joining them. So, um, yeah, they were definitely my surprise. I had them penciled in as wooden spooners um, by the end of this year. So the fact that they got up to ninth and... If the Warriors had beaten the Sharks earlier in the year, they could have even slipped into the top eight and um, been playing in the playoffs. So, yeah, definitely the most improved team for me. And um, I think they're definitely playoff contenders next year. Big, big shout. I mean, the Panthers going from, was it 10th last season, uh, outside the finals to being minor premiership champions? That's, ooh, yeah. They also, they also, big, yeah, big, big uh, improvement from them as well. Yeah, I can't just give everything to the Panthers, though. I've got to show some love to other people too. Um, but yeah, going going from tenth to first in the in the state of a year is quite an impressive feat. But um, I think the talent that Penrith have, I put a bit of a handicap on them because the Titans, even if you looked at Titans that they had towards the end, their team on paper was nowhere near as good as those other teams, but they were still competing. So um, I give them a little more of a nudge. Cool. Cool. And then so I'll go into my most improved player of the NRL. I've actually given this to Ryan Puppenhausen. So, um, yeah, another storm, very storm heavy um, at the moment. But I think Ryan, um, as I've mentioned on the show before, um, you look at last year, he was just starting to find his feet, but Melbourne weren't 100% sold on him or potentially looking at offloading him to another club if they would take him. And this year, um, with confidence behind him, he's really stood up and he is up there now um, in that top echelon of fullbacks. I'd have your James Tedesco's, your Roger Tuovasa Sheks and Pappenhausen. I'd have those three right up there for me as the, the top three in the comp. And... Um, He's young and still got a lot, um, a lot of um, growing to do. So I think he's going to be consistent um, Delhi M contender um, for the next couple of years for sure. And that brings me um, going to the other side of it. My biggest room for improvement in the NRL. I haven't pinpointed a player for this. I've actually gone with the bunker. Um, much like we've talked about the Titans being. Um, slowly improving every week on the show the bunker was always involved as well um being critical of errors they were making or decisions that didn't seem to go the way they should um graham ellersley who's kind of in charge of it all he was basically coming out every week making um apologies for the bunker 
We've talked about what they need to do to improve it. I'm not really sure, but it's definitely got the biggest room for improvement. Um, they're kind of they're a foul mark for me at the end of the year. Um, I don't think the bunker did anywhere near enough to um, qualify the money spent on it. So they need to do they need to to go back to the drawing board, figure out something, and um, get it better. Um, you're going to love this. I, I, being dyslexic, I misread this, and I thought I, I read it as the biggest room improvement. And I was wondering, what, why has he got a biggest? This is surely this is a joke one, where um, where he's uh, where, that uh, he's talking about the fit out or something of of, of the uh, of the room. And uh, I, I, so yeah, so yeah, as I say, when I was looking at the pre pre show, yeah, um, quickly glancing through and uh, thought that's a funny one. Never mind. <laughs> no, no. I think their room is absolutely fine. It's just the people in the room need to improve. The because um, uh, yeah, because say it's uh, uh, that perhaps you should be uh, uh, looking at some um, looking at styling and uh, and, and up, up doing up your bedroom come studio uh, for the for, for next season in in uh, as the bunker. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, so. Um, we had a bit of a spoiler from Paul earlier on, but my next award is the standoff story of the year. And that goes to Cameron Smith's retirement. Um, I think the going theme on our shows this year was um, how bad the Broncos were. And is Cameron Smith going to play on or is he going to retire? Is he going to go to another team? Is he basically we're on Cameron Smith watch 24 seven and true to form. We still don't have an answer. So um he, he wants to keep the story going, so we'll see what happens. I've still got my money on a, a retirement, but it's getting kind of late. We're on the 11th of the 11th now, so if he was going to retire, maybe we would have heard already, so not too sure. But, yeah, definitely my story of the year. He, he definitely liked to keep himself on our show. So th does he have a contract with Melbourne for next year? At the moment, he doesn't, so... Um, he's effectively a non-contractor player as of the end of the grand final. So, um, yeah, it's just, he hasn't announced his retirement. So I guess there's still, until you hear that he's no longer there, we, um, we don't know. I think the storm still have spots available too, so they can technically still sign him if they want, but I assume other teams would want to know what's happening. So if they wanted to take a stab, they could give him an offer. But as of the first, he was able to talk to everyone anyway. So, um, yeah, I still think he will retire. But until we hear from him, we don't know. No, we, we need a, a um, LeBron James, the announcement kind of show where he tells us exactly. all. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll happen, no doubt. We, we should get in touch and say, hey, look, if you want to do an, the announcement show of, about uh, what you're doing next year, whether it be retirement or, or playing, we're more than happy to host the show for you. <laughs> Definitely. I'll put my feelers out. So uh, my second to last award um, goes to the team of the year, which I've given to the Penrith Panthers. Um, I know Melbourne took out the premiership and um, there's that old cliche, you're only as good as your last game. And um, the Panthers would be quite upset that they, they lost in that, in the big game, but they went 17 games in a row without a loss and um, we're head and shoulders above everyone for the majority of the season. Um, 
you could say experience cost them in the end. I personally think there was a few poor choices and selections by having Cleary in the grand final that kind of unstuck them. Uh, but yeah, here are the best team this year and um, definitely going to be in the running to, to take that minor premiership and possibly the premiership in 2021. Um, unless unless the Warriors can do uh, a Panthers and go from 10th to 1st next year. Um, my fingers are crossed underneath the camera here for that. But yeah, Penrith are uh, by far the best team that was in the NRL this year, despite the last result. And then that leads me to the final award, um, which goes to my player of the year. Um, I've given that to Nathan Cleary. Um, again, from the Panthers, um, I thought he was a bit hard done by with the Dally M, so I thought he was a shoo-in for it. Um, Jack Whiten got it. Um, but I think Jack Whiten came, came and went throughout the season. Um, in patches, he was great. In others, he was a bit quiet. Uh, but Cleary, bar a slight little mishap with TikTok at the beginning of the year, which saw him miss a few games, I think... Straight after that, he hit the ground running and was consistent all the way through. Um, for for New South Wales fans, he was a bit quiet in the first State of Origin game, and um, there were talks about dropping him for the second one. But he's still young in his career, and I think it's those types of adversities that are going to make him bigger and better. And um, yeah, he will. Uh, I think Panthers fans will be hoping for a lot more of the same from him in twenty twenty one. So um yeah, well done Nathan and um hopefully I can I can pick a warrior this time next year in that award, but for now it's Cleary's. And that's that was all of my awards. So um Seriously, I mean look, you you mentioned TikTok there, you haven't got uh, biggest COVID breach um award. There was too many. <laughs> <laughs> um if we we can do an impromptu one, the biggest code breach award goes to the Brisbane Broncos, who sent like half of their team out clubbing. So um, they, I thought, I, I thought I was a bit bit harsh on them earlier on, but yeah, the um, I think on the whole, a lot of the NRL really got better with COVID as they went on. It was new for all of us, but um, yeah, Brisbane by far were the worst for that. They had so many players spotted out and about. And we had clear we the, uh, the 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 cultural camping trip. Yeah. Well, well just... yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was a few. There was a few. And, then, um, and, and perhaps one of my one of my favourite ones um, was the the coach who went out for dinner with his wife. Um, one, he kind of like, mate, you're supposed to be leading by example. And he... Yeah. <laughs> what made that one worse? That was Wayne Bennett. What made that worse was he was part of the. Um, the team project apollo which was the team they put together to help educate everyone on covid and what to do and what not to do so not only was he meant to lead by example he was actually in the group that were deciding yeah. what players should and shouldn't do he came so, up with um, still can and still can yeah. keep them. <laughs> yeah it's crazy now um, I, I, you know, I we we were joking um pre uh, amongst uh, on the on the on the, sort of on the, the the rugby union side, um, sort of when they were talking about some of these some of these measures, it's like, yeah, what could go wrong? Locking up a bunch of uh, rugby league players in a hotel on their um, on their own, surely that's that, that, that's not a recipe for disaster. Um, but as you say, that, that they have they did improve, um, and 
And you've got to tap tip to the Warriors because they went over, and as far as I'm aware, pretty much were were um, didn't, didn't didn't come a cropper in that in that kind of sense at all. Um, and I can see yeah, that they, they seriously going stir crazy. Yeah, so I think they had it worse because a lot of those players that were stuck in this bubble still got to go home to their families and um yeah the warriors were literally as you said um you had like 20 30 people stuck in a hotel um all the time but yeah the only time they breached was when um we covered it um early on in the show when um people in the community were writing their names down instead of their own and um it looked like warriors were out and about but they weren't so um they they kept themselves relatively clean, which is um, which is great for them. And also the hotels that they were stuck in had nothing but praise for them in terms of how they were respectful of the the staff and they didn't trash the place. So I think the the Warriors need a lot of kudos there, especially not only are they all a lot of young men, there were some very young men in there that um, had a lot of growing up to do, and they I think they did themselves proud. Yeah, I mean, if, for what um, if, if they're cricketers, you kind of expect it, or cyclists. But for for, for the reputation that league players have, yeah, they did they did very very well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so uh, you go. No, I was just trying to think um, if there were any other kind of silly awards I could think of that we could uh, that um, if there were any Mickey Mouse moments um, or best or, or best um, uh, kind of media quote. That you can think of that, uh, that that might have been made by by one of the players as a post match thing or as a um, or anything like that. Um, I think off the top of my head, it will go. It will tie into the personality award I gave. But um, Brandon Smith, he was asked about is Cameron Smith going to retire or not, and. He was quoted as saying, I hope he doesn't retire because Craig Bellamy doesn't do anything here and we need Cameron Smith to keep coaching the side. <laughs> um, so um, that kind of shows the personality he has and the relationship he has with um, his coach, obviously. Yep. And um, going with that Craig Bellamy love, there was a Cameron Smith moment where Craig Bellamy had a flat tire and Cameron Smith videoed him trying to change his tire and was giving him sticks. So it showed that relationship they've had for so long as well, which was quite funny. And um, good to see that he might be one of the best coaches out there, but he doesn't know how to change a tire on a car. So it makes me feel yeah. a little bit better about myself. He has people. Not yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's really it for quotes. That's the one that stands out for me because that was quite a, a funny, a funny quote. Um, especially for such a, a well-respected coach. Um, obviously all in jest, but yeah, it was quite funny. Well, I will say, uh, as we come to the end of season one of the uh, the standoff, 24 episodes um, that we've done on a weekly uh, basis. We've got 24 weeks. That's pretty, um, pretty impressive. Uh, obviously, the couple of... Um, or one or two maybe special shows, depending on what uh, what you fancy doing, what we fancy doing during the off season. Um, but um, a big thank you, Brad, for uh, for, for doing this um, and, and and leading the show here on New Zealand Sports Radio. Um, if there's anybody out there that would like to become a might be a guest or a co-host or a uh, occasional guest, um, then uh, do let us know, uh, and um, we'll put you through a stringent interview process. Um, I.e. 
when we have a quick chat with you, do you do you swear every second word um, or not? Um, but <laughs> but yeah, if there's anyone out there who would um, uh, who, who fancy having a go uh, to uh, joining um, Brad on the um, for season two of uh, the standoffs, I'm hoping he'll come back next season when the NRL kicks off. Um, nodding there, most people on the podcast, he yeah. will be back. Don't worry. Uh, so um, uh, the so yeah, so if you would like to, then please let us know. But a massive thank you, Brad, for um, I say for for, for, for hosting this show um, uh, during this, and also for sharing on your uh, on your Facebook page amongst your your fans as well. Because don't forget, folks, you yeah. can also go and listen to Brad's ramblings or read Brad's ramblings. Sorry, over on his blog um, as uh, as well. Um, thank you, thank you, Vicky, for your message in the live chat uh, there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you as well, Paul. It's been um, great so far and looking forward to much more. So, yeah, um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight and joining me on New Zealand Sports Radio's show, The Standoff with Brad, for your weekly update on Rugby League. Tune in to the podcast on iHeartRadio or Facebook, just search for New Zealand Sport Radio. And, um, yeah, special shows. I think I'll still want to do a show in a couple of weeks to wrap up State of Origin and wrap up the Super League. So I think with that competition coming to an end, um, I think just a, a quick show just to run down what happened and any news that happens from now to then. So and then, yeah, anything else we get, if I can get some guests, we might do some other special shows as well. Um, but just stay on um, Facebook and look for any updates. Um, and if Cameron Smith retires, we'll have to do a retirement show. But, exactly. Uh, that, 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 that might be in 2023. Yeah exactly um so yeah thank you everyone for um listening this season and listening tonight and um good night mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to health care it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 